Hey Toppers, did you know that you can support the podcast simply by shopping on Amazon? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I have a link on my website on the support the podcast page that if you click on it, you can shop on Amazon buying stuff you are already going to buy, and it doesn't cost you a penny more than you are already going to pay. The extra cool thing is, is that I often have extra offers there, like perhaps a 30-day free trial to Amazon Music or a free trial subscription to HBO. It's often changing what I have available on there, so you should check the support the podcast page often. The offers from Amazon won't cost you anything, but they'll always give a little something to the podcast. So, it's a free way for you to support the podcast and help me keep episodes coming out to you every Monday. So, again, check out the Support the Podcast page on turnofphrases.com and see if there's anything there that looks good to you. Because what's better than supporting a cool podcast for free by getting stuff you are already going to get? I can't think of much, except maybe the episode that's about to start. So with that, let's get on with it. Please listen carefully. Good day to you toppers and welcome to episode 16. Since this episode is dropping on Christopher Columbus Day, I thought I'd do a few phrases that have to do with traveling, either due to their history or the wording of the phrase. So buckle up and hang on tight as we travel through today's phrases, origins, history, and more. Okay, I know I said I was doing a travel theme for today, but before we get into that, I had a request for a phrase that doesn't fit into any of my upcoming themes, so I thought, what the heck, let's just do it now. This is another suggestion from Megan over at the Oh No Lit Class podcast, which is a super fun podcast, by the way. I've recommended it before, but if you've never listened, you should totally check it out. They make required reading fun. Anyway, the phrase she asked me about was blow the top off the ceiling, or rather, she asked if that was the proper usage or if blow the roof off was more common. Well, Megan, this one was a bit tricky, but I like a challenge, so here's your answer. Technically, the more common usage is blow the roof off, but that's not really the most common version of this type of saying. Let me explain. No, there's too much. Let me sum up. To begin, the idea behind any version of this phrase is that you blow something up, literally or figuratively, with either noise, emotion, usually anger, or by breaking a record. There's a lot of versions. Blow the roof off, hit the ceiling, blow your stack or blow your top, flip your lid, blow a gasket, etc. I could go on, but y'all get the point. No matter the version you use, they're all intended to be representative of something under pressure exploding. In early use, this typically was connected to someone losing their temper, but as I mentioned, any one of these can also mean you've blown past a record or you might be making a lot of noise. When did this widely varied phrase show up, though? Many people think it dates back to America's Industrial Revolution, when there was a constant worry of the new steam technology getting too much pressure in it and blowing up. While it was definitely used in the industrious 19th century, it wasn't really popular until the 1940s. Then it starts appearing in songs, and thanks to the 1958 Three Stooges movie, Fifi Blows Her Top, we know that by then it was increasing in popularity and usage. 
So there you go, Megan. I hope that tells you what you wanted to know. And with that, toppers, let's move on to our first traveling-themed phrase of the day, three sheets to the wind. So the idiom three sheets to the wind means someone is super drunk, typically to the point that they've become all disheveled, especially their clothes. The reason for this is because the origin has to do with sailing ships having their sails all messed up because their sheets, the ropes at the bottom of sails used to hold them in place, are loose and blowing in the wind. If three sheets are blowing in the wind, the sails will be flapping so much that the boat will lurch about wildly, like a drunk person. As far as it being in print, this idiom had to grow, in a way. It started with only two sheets, at least in writing. In the Journal of Reverend Francis Asbury, which was published in 1915, the Reverend kept track of his travels through Kentucky. In an entry from September 26, 1813, he wrote, quote, The tavern keepers were kind and polite, as southern folks should be. And as southern folks ought not to be, they were sometimes two sheets in the wind. Oh, that liquid fire. End quote. In 1821, Pierce Egan wrote Real Life in London, and he included the quote, Old wax and bristles is about three sheets in the wind. End quote. Three years later, in 1824, Catherine Ward wrote in The Fisher's Daughter, quote, Wolf replenished his glass at the request of Mr. Blust, who, instead of being one sheet in the wind, was likely to get to three before he took his departure. End quote. In Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island, which was published in 1883, we see that even at that point, various levels of sheet in the wind were still being used. In the book, the character of Long John Silver says, quote, Maybe you think we were all a sheet in the wind's eye, but I'll tell you I was sober. End quote. So throughout history and still to this day, the level of a person's drunkenness can be described by how many sheets they have loose in the wind. I'm not cheating you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm actually not sorry for that pun. Okay. Now let's look at the next phrase of the day, took the wind out of my sails. This idiom typically means that someone has lost an argument, that their side of the debate has no substance. It has its origins in a battle move made by sailing ships. If a ship passed close enough to another on the windward side, it would block the wind from that ship, literally taking the wind out of its sails. This would effectively slow the ship down, making it much harder for it to fight and maneuver. Another usage for this idiom is that someone has been disappointed or let down. This meaning still gets its origin from sailing ships, because when the sails are lowered, no wind can fill them and it can't move. Though the saying is potentially as old as ships have had sails, it's believed to have first shown up in print in 1860 at least idiomatically. In Louisa May Alcott's novel, Little Women, she wrote the following passage, quote, I tell you, Van Bar Lamb is a fool. But Polly completely took the wind out of her sails by coolly remarking, I like fools, end quote. That's all I got for this idiom, so it's time for the next one, which is any port in a storm. The definition of this idiom is that even a bad outcome to something is better than no outcome. Its origin makes a lot of sense with regards to the modern-day meaning. If a ship is in danger due to a storm, it's better to dock in any port, even a possibly dangerous one, rather than stay in the storm where they're likely to sink. While there's not much detail to go into with regards to the origin, the early print uses are quite interesting. 
and sometimes scandalous. The first known idiomatic usage in print comes from an erotic novel called Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure, Volume 2, which was written by English novelist John Cleland and published in 1749. He wrote, quote, It was going by the right door and knocking desperately at the wrong one. I told him of it. Pooh, he says, my dear, any port in a storm. End quote. In 1822, Scottish novelist, playwright, and poet Walter Scott published The Pirate, and he wrote the following in it, quote, As the Scotsman's howl flies right under your lee, why take any port in a storm? End quote. In 1949, we find the phrase being used again with a seemingly naughty connotation. Joyce Porter wrote her first three detective novels while in the Woman's Royal Air Force, much of her work being in intelligence. In her book, Dover Three, she wrote, quote, It was not quite the sort of company with which Dover would mix from choice, but, as the jolly sailors say, any port in a storm. End quote. The last use I want to mention happened much more recently, in 1983, and is from Monsieur Popplemouse, written by British writer Michael Bond, the same author who penned the Paddington Bear books. In Monsieur Popplemouse, we have the following quote. On the principle of any port in a storm, he made a dive for the nearest cubicle, end quote. So this idiom has been popular with writers for a long time, for many uses. And now, the next idiom for the day, trip the light fantastic. I know this one is a little different than the others, but it has the word trip in it, so I thought it fit with the travel theme. But its meaning has nothing to do with tripping, or light for that matter. To trip the light fantastic means you're dancing, typically in an imaginative or fantastic manner. The idea of the word trip being used to describe dancing goes back to at least the 14th century. We know this thanks to Geoffrey Chaucer's 1386 work The Miller's Tale, which is the second Canterbury tale. In it, he wrote the line, quote, In twenty manner could he trip and dance, end quote. This is basically an Old English way to say that the subject of the story, in this case a carpenter, could trip and dance in 20 different ways. That dude had ancient dance cred for sure. Anyway, the first known usage of the phrasing light fantastic in reference to dancing comes from our Paradise Lost pal, John Milton. In his work, Comus, which first appeared in 1634, he said, quote, Come, knit hands and beat the ground in a light fantastic round. End quote. In 1645, he used it again in Le Egro, quote, Come and trip it as you go, on the light fantastic toe. End quote. It's not known exactly when toe was dropped from the phrase, but it was still being used until at least 1870, where we find it in a London book all about etiquette. It instructed women to, quote, remember this when tripping the light fantastic toe and preserve the strictest modesty in all your movements, end quote. Now, let's dance on over to today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. Today we're looking at the metaphor, taken for a ride. The meaning of this one is that someone has been the butt of a joke, but no harm came to them. It wasn't always so innocent, though. This phrase has its roots in the dark and seedy underbelly of post-World War I America, specifically in the Mafia. If a Mafia boss was upset with someone, they'd send one of their underlings to pick that person up, 
the person would then take a ride with the henchman. If they were extremely lucky, the ride was just to bring them to the slighted boss, so they could talk. Most people weren't extremely lucky, however, and if you were taken for a ride by a mafia henchman, you were likely never seen again. Not alive, anyway. There's no known first usage in print, at least not in the idiomatic form, and I couldn't find anything to explain how it went from dastardly to joking. Even so, some people still use it in its original form, so if a stranger offers to take you for a ride, you might want to be careful. They may not just be wanting to play a prank on you. With that, let's find out what today's familiar quotation is. Okay, toppers, I've got the book here, and I've opened it to a quote by Henri Frédéric Emile from his work Journal. I don't know if it's a journal he wrote in, or it was actually called Journal. That's just what the book says it's from. Anyway, the quote itself is, Truth is the secret of eloquence and of virtue, the basis of moral authority. It is the highest summit of art and of life. I guess Henri was big into being honest. Okay, that's it for today's Familiar Quotation. Well then, toppers, that's all I've got for episode 16. Thank you for joining me once more to turn some phrases. I hope you all had a good time and learned something along the way. Check out my show notes for all of my social media, contact, and sponsor information. Don't forget that you can send me topic suggestions, and if you do, make sure you let me know if you want a shout-out or if you want to remain anonymous. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thank you again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Researched, written, produced, and hosted by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, may the winds blow ever in your favor. Hey toppers, don't forget that if you hop on over to audibletrial.com forward slash turn of phrases, you can get a free audiobook download and 30 days free trial on Audible. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from that you can download to your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Not only will you get that free book and free month on Audible, but you'll be helping to support the podcast. And did I mention, it's free. So again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash turn of phrases for a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook download. Until next time, toppers. Bye-bye.